Sin has to be put down. Rebellion has to be put down. Why? Because look at what it does. Look at how it destroys people and families, okay? You cannot let this continue on. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, welcome back to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today we are continuing to answer Bible questions from people like you. Today, I'm going to answer three questions, and we're going to be answering one person's question is, the Old Testament and the New Testament seem to be so different. Did God change between these two testaments in strictness and grace? And the answer, I hope, won't surprise you, but no, we have one God, and He's the same, but it certainly might seem that way if you don't understand it. So we're going to go over that. That's a good question. Another person says, I believe in eternal salvation, in other words, that you can't lose it. But, you know, what about the verses that talk about people falling away uh, when they're in apostasy and things like that? So that's another good question, and we'll go over that. And then someone talked about Paul saying, uh, I don't want to be a castaway if I don't keep my body under subjection. What is that referring to? Could Paul be saying that he thinks he could lose his salvation? These are really, really good questions, and they do all interrelate, and we're going to answer these using Scripture. Always use Scripture to interpret Scripture. This is the key to a good Bible exegesis, good Bible uh, teaching and understanding, and uh, this is something that I think we'll glean today. Also, we are excited because In Grace has some travel opportunities. We've done trips to Alaska, trips to Israel. We've gone to the Grand Canyon on a rafting trip. Right now, we have two trips to Israel coming up. The one in February is sold out, but you can get on a waiting list for that. We have another one coming up in June. Uh, but if you would ever like to travel with us, get on our mailing list. And every time we set up a new trip, we'll send it to you. And we'd love to go somewhere with you and get to know you and explore God's amazing world. And you can find out information about our travel opportunities at ingraceradio.com and click on travel. Here's a great question. Having read the New Testament in the midst of the Old Testament, The questioner is saying that they've read through the New Testament and they're going through the Old Testament. I'm wondering why it seems like God changed so much from the Old Testament to the New Testament in strictness and grace. And listen, this is not an unusual question. My wife and I were in a vehicle. We had hired a car and a driver to transfer us from Auschwitz when we were filming there to get us to the airport in Krakow in order to get us to our next destination. And we had about an hour with this man who spoke decent English. And we started to talk, and I love these situations because they can't go anywhere, you know. Uh, And we're driving along, and he hears I'm a pastor, and he goes, yeah, I have a question for you because he grew up Catholic. He said, why is it that God was so mean in the Old Testament and so nice in the New Testament? He said, it's like God in the Old Testament's my dad, and God in the New Testament's my mom. Okay? (laughs) So why is that? Well, here's an answer, okay? First of all, let's make this statement clear so you know this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible actually says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? He is the same in both Testaments. He is not changing. Now, the way he operates, the way he deals with us is a little different because he was dealing with 
Israel, mostly in the Old Testament, he was dealing with the fall, he was dealing with, uh, with sin, and as you go through the Bible, you're progressively learning more and more about him, okay? But he does not change. In James 1.17, it says there's no variableness. There's not even a shadow of turning with God. So he's the same in the Old and the New Testament. Now, if you look closely in the Old Testament, you're going to find God is a God of mercy. Where do you see that? Well, it's all through the Old Testament. Let me give you an example. In Exodus 34, verse 6, God is talking to Moses. The people had blown it. He had broken the Ten Commandments coming down from Sinai because they were worshiping a golden calf. I mean, can you imagine that? The first commandment they had already broken, so he breaks the Ten Commandments. And he goes back up into Sinai, and God's going to give us another chance. God's going to write this out again. And God says this about himself. The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Okay? God is a God of mercy and grace. He is a God that is long-suffering and abundant in goodness. Okay? That's God. You say, well, why does he seem so strict and so mean sometimes? Well, let me tell you this. Because he is right and we're wrong. He's holy and we are not. Sin has to be put down. Rebellion has to be put down. Why? Because look at what it does. Look at how it destroys people and families, okay? You cannot let this continue on. And there's a day when his grace, and remember the last book of the Bible, it's in the New Testament, talks about probably millions of people being cast into an eternal lake of fire that will never stop. You say, well, that's, Awful. Well, no, because God has offered to all of these people salvation and they have turned him down. He has no choice. Okay, so we see both God's mercy and God's, you want to call it strictness, all through the Bible. Here's another example in Hebrews 12, 6. The, the Bible tells us that, that God will chasten whom he loves. He scourges us as believers, as his children, when we do wrong. In other words, he does it like, like you would take your kids and not let them just do whatever they want and, you know, and hurt people and destroy things. You're going to hopefully chasten them because you love them. And that's what God's going to do for us. So we see both strictness and grace in both Testaments, right? The story of the Old Testament is the story of failure and God rising up a rebellious and stubborn people to bring us a Savior, okay? So that's why it might seem like God is more strict in the Old Testament, but he's not. He's the same. And the important thing to know is this. God doesn't change, okay? And that people that shake their fist at God are foolish. They're foolish because God created us. We've failed, we've sinned, and God is going to put an end to that rebellion at one point in time. The next question is this. I'm a believer in eternal security. However, I need to know how to dispute people who will argue with me. What about the verses that people always use about falling away and apostasy and how you're supposed to finish the race? That's a very good question. We are a church and a ministry. I'm a pastor that am 100% convinced that our salvation, that is by faith, okay, 
And Jesus, the one who died and rose again, is something that I have forever. Okay? Why do I believe that? Because the Bible teaches that in dozens and dozens of verses. So how can I be saved? In Acts 16, verse 30, there was a jailer who asked that question, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, okay? There was a, a girl that fell down a well and this was when CNN had first become a network. Cable television was brand new. CNN was just establishing itself. And, and this was the first like wall-to-wall -wall coverage of a story. Now, you know, it's, it happens all the time. If something's happening, you know, in Ukraine, they've got, you know, this is live of the bombs coming in, all of that. Well, this was the first time that we ever had that. And they spent hours and hours and hours trying to rescue this child. And they finally did. And they brought her to the hospital. And everyone was so happy that this rescue had taken place. And then they took this child and they threw her right back down the well. No one would do that after spending so much effort to save the child. There's no way they're going to throw the child back down the well. And I think that's a perfect example of what did it take for us to be saved. It took the death of the Son of God, which we totally can't understand that. Once he saves you, he's not going to throw you back. Okay? And there's many verses on that. Jesus says in John 6, 47, verily, verily, that word means truthfully, of a truth I say unto you, he that, what, believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now, you're not going around using the word half too often in your normal conversation. It's an older English word, but it's a significant word because it means present possessive. Present, you have something now, you possess this now, and what you have now is called what? Eternal life. If he had saved you until you messed up, until you fell away, until you committed some sort of heresy or some sort of sin, if he saved you until that point, but then if you messed up and he would, he would say, okay, you're not saved anymore, what this verse should have said is you hath temporary probation. It doesn't say that. It says you hath, present possessive tense, I have something now called what? Eternal life. Okay, so we believe that once you have eternal life, you possess it and it's eternal. Now, there's dozens of verses that clearly teach what I just explained to you. Here's a good hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is a principle of interpretation. Interpret the unclear by the clear. There's dozens and dozens of verses in the Bible that explain eternal security very clearly. There's a few that people struggle with. Explain the unclear with the clear. Do you want to explore the rich history and fascinating mysteries of the Holy Land? From the breathtaking landscapes to the hidden gems buried beneath the surface, Discover Hidden Israel 2 will transport you to places few have ever seen. With a gift of any amount to Ingrace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Discover Hidden Israel 1 and 3. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. 
If you want to take your exploration to the next level, with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive InGrace's entire Israel bundle, featuring a collection of eight captivating video series filmed in Israel. To get your hands on these incredible offers, call 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. There's a verse that says in... Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, in verse 5 of John 15. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So this is the, the Christian's mandate to abide with him. What does that mean? That means when you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, I need you today. I cannot serve you today on my own. I don't even know what you want me to do. I'm always going to do the wrong thing. I need you today. You're staying close to him in fellowship. You're, you're, you're reading what he has to tell you. You're speaking to him in prayer. Fellowship. If you don't have that fellowship, you're not going to have fruit. It doesn't mean you're not going to be a Christian anymore. Okay? Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And that's a true statement. If you are someone that is tending a garden and you have a fruit tree and that, that branch is dead or not producing fruit, you're going to snip it off and you're going to dispose of it. How did they dispose of it? They threw it into a tree grinder. No, they didn't have tree grinders. I was hoping you caught that. They would throw it into a fire. What, oh, is this hell? Is this hellfire? I'm going to be thrown. No. I believe this is very simple. Anytime you read about fire in connection to a Christian's life, Instead of thinking hell, think the judgment seat of Christ. This will answer it for you, I think, in almost every instance. Okay, What's the judgment seat of Christ? Where a believer will be one-on-one -on -one with Jesus after the rapture, where we will answer for what we've done, good and bad. Here's the verse, 1 Corinthians 3. In verse 12, it says, If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Three are combustible, three are not. Okay, so this is our life. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be, what? Revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What is the fire? I believe it's the gaze of Christ. He's gonna look right through any pretense that you have and he's gonna see what you've done. Have you done it from a real heart of love for him as a Christian? And then it's from whatever's left What's going to be left? Well, not the wood, hay, and stubble. That's going to go up pretty quick, right? What's going to be left? Those things you've done for Christ with a heart of love. That's going to be left. If any man's work abide, which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. So with what's left, you're going to be rewarded. And for those things that you did under any selfish uh, motivations, those won't be left and you won't be rewarded. You'll have a loss of reward. If any man's work shall be burned... Okay, so, so this is the fire. This is the burning, I think, that applies in John 15 and in Hebrews uh, uh, 6 and 10. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Okay? We're not talking about heaven or hell here. We're talking about reward or position of authority in the kingdom of God. Okay, so I think that will really help you if you understand that the fire isn't always going to be a hellfire. Uh, the other confusing passage that I know a lot of people struggle with is Hebrews 10, 
And uh, in verse 26, it says, if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There's an uh, allusion back to the Old Testament where if you sin willfully, you know 100% it's wrong and you do it anyway, there's no sacrifice for that. There's no way for you to regain your fellowship with, with God. This isn't talking about salvation. This is talking about service. You're gonna lose your service, okay? And it says, uh, uh, verse 27, a fearful, certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Oh, that's hell. No, it's the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, so understanding that I think is important. These are warnings, real warnings, that we can lose something when we fail the Lord. We can lose something when we're not in fellowship with him. What can we lose? Is it salvation? No. You're gonna lose your peace. You're gonna lose your joy. You're gonna lose your potential rewards. You're gonna lose your testimony, but you are not gonna lose your salvation. Okay, so the next question is this. Paul speaks of being a castaway if not keeping his body under subjection. What is he referring to because he can't lose his salvation? But it's confusing. I love it when all these uh, questions are going together so well. So here is the answer to that. When did Paul say that? 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What does that mean? Does that mean God is casting him away and he's going back in the well and he's not saved anymore? No. He's saying, listen, we have a flesh still. Once we've received by faith Jesus Christ, we have a new nature, but we still have the old nature. And in this life, we have this battle that goes on. Whichever you feed, whichever you exercise is gonna dominate. If you don't exercise your new nature with time of fellowship with the Lord every day, dependence on him, knowing what he has to tell us through his word, speaking to him in prayer, sharing the gospel with other people. If you're not exercising that every day, that old nature is gonna dominate. You still have salvation, but that old nature is gonna dominate. He didn't wanna be dominated by his flesh. Even the apostle Paul struggled with his flesh. He said, I always find myself doing those things that I don't wanna do and not doing those things that I do wanna do. Isn't that the struggle? of the Christian life. It's being disciplined, it's being uh, understanding all of these principles that I'm saved and I'm not gonna be lost, I'm a child of God, once I'm born I can't be unborn, but I can lose something, I can lose my service. What would be worse, God taking you and putting you on a shelf and letting you live through this, the rest of this life, or the Bible tells us that sometimes God's chastening is taking people home to heaven early. Ananias and Sapphira. A great example of that. I believe it's worse for God to put you on a shelf. That's what Paul was so worried about. He did not want that to happen to him. Now, 2 John 1, uh, in verse 8, it says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. Opportunities. And by the way, let me just say this. I and this is another question for another day. I believe that rewards once earned are secure. I don't believe you're gonna lose rewards, but you're gonna not have rewards you might have had, okay? And you're gonna lose opportunities. It says, but that we may receive a full reward. This is why we need to serve the Lord and be on guard and watchful in our own life and our own spirituality so that we might take full advantage of every opportunity we have in this life so that we can please the Lord with our lives because he's done so much for us 
on the cross. Let me just tell you this. Upon Jesus was put the weight of all of our sin. He paid it all. You say, that how come not everyone goes to heaven? Because you have to receive his pardon. You have to take it. You have to, to say, I trust Jesus as my only hope, as my only salvation. It's not about you putting your faith in Jesus and a priest, Jesus and a pastor, Jesus and a prayer. It's about putting your faith in Jesus alone. It's by, it's, it's by the, the, the time when you say, I can't save myself. I, I can't be part of it myself. I, I totally trust that Jesus paid for all of my sins on the cross. I believe in him. I believe in that. The Bible says when you do that, you have everlasting life. It says you have passed from death unto life. You have the Holy Spirit now that seals you and guarantees you that you will be in heaven, that you will receive the inheritance of what Jesus has. It's a guarantee. And the only way for that not to be true is for God to break his own character, which is impossible. That is how safe we are in our salvation. It's not dependent upon us to save ourselves. It's not dependent upon ourselves to keep it. It's all dependent upon Jesus. And you say, you just spent a lot of time telling us how we should live and how we should guard ourselves and all that. Yeah, not in regard to salvation, but in regard to service, absolutely. It's the, I mean, look at the scripture. When you look at all of the New Testament, most of it's teaching us how to live after salvation, how to keep our service. All of these great epistles and all of these great books are written so that we might know how to live after we're saved, okay? So that's of utmost importance so that other people can hear the gospel, so we can bring God glory and that we can earn uh, rewards in heaven. But salvation itself is free from the beginning to the end. So how can I be saved? It's when I put my trust in Jesus. He died, he's the son of God, he rose again. He's alive. He says, if you'll trust in me, I'll give you eternal life. I just love the doctrine of eternal security. The fact that once you have received that pardon, that free gift called eternal life, you have it and you can't lose it because you're now in the hand of God. Nothing you could do would be able to save you. Well, there's nothing that you could do that will keep you saved. It's all by God's grace and us receiving that gift by faith, by trusting in Jesus and him alone in his death on the cross for our sins. If you have questions about that, please contact us on our website, ingraceradio.com. And that's anytime, day or night, ingraceradio.com. Or call us during business hours, 1-800-78-GRACE. And the same website and phone number and address, and our address, by the way, is ingrace. P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. We'll repeat all that in a second. You can contact us those three ways if you would like to get our offer of the month. Now, what it is, is a really exciting adventure series filmed in Israel. It's called Discover Hidden Israel 2, and it's with my friend Scott Stripling. He's a archaeologist and a uh, provost of a college in the United States. But uh, we, we looked at ancient secrets of the Jewish temple, 
and we talked about the city of David and maybe Melchizedek's altar that we filmed there. Uh, we went looking for Michmash, ancient Michmash, where Jonathan and his armor bearer were able to find courage and uh, defeat the Philistines. And then we went to ancient Shechem and got a really neat opportunity to film at Joseph's tomb in Jacob's well. And so if you'd like to get this exciting adventure series, give a gift of any amount to Ingrace. Your gift will make sure more people hear the gospel and you get this great video either by DVD or digital download. Now, if your gift can be $35 or more, I'm going to send you all three Discover Hidden Israel, one, two, and three, a great video series, and you'll learn so much about Israel in a real beautiful format. Now, if your gift can be $100, we're going to send you the Israel Bundle, and we'd love to hear from you today. With a gift of any amount to In Grace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series. And with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive In Grace's entire Israel bundle, including eight video series filmed in Israel. Call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com, or write to In Grace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.